The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole world should be enrolled. This was the first enrollment when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be enrolled, each to his own town. And Joseph, too, went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David that is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. To be enrolled with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. While they were there, the time came for her to have her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were shepherds in that region living in the fields and keeping the night watch over their flock. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were struck with great fear. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, a Savior has been born for you who is Christ and Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find an infant wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The Gospel of the Lord. Christmas, on the one hand, comes around every year as certain as the calendar. On the one hand, Christmas is familiar. On the one hand, we have our customs, our practices, the way our family marks and celebrates the day. On the one hand, society around us has its way of marking Christmas. In fact, last October, radio stations began playing all Christmas music. On the one hand, Christmas is so familiar that it risks in our mind becoming ordinary becoming typical, becoming something of a commonplace that we do. And yet, when we pause attentively at the doorstep of this mystery, we see that there's something about this day, something about this event, something about this feast that defeats our ability to reduce it to something familiar and safe. The reason why Christmas comes around every year is because it's great. 
not because it's on the calendar. It's on the calendar because it is a great day, a mighty day, a day that changes all things and all hearts. That is what the readings of tonight's liturgy place before us in their own particularly powerful and vivid way if we pause long enough to hear their challenge. Because the question is, what is it that brings us to this church tonight? And on the one hand, the easy answer is, well, duh, Father, it's Christmas and we have to come. Or someone might point to Mom and say, well, she dragged me here. Um, but the simple fact of the matter is there is a much more fundamental reason about our gathering this night, and it is important to be clear about that. Because one of the things that we hear, especially in our first reading, is don't settle for the trivial. Don't settle for the merely tiny, the merely ordinary. Don't settle for reducing this to just another day where we get together and do things as a family or a society. And it's not that that's bad, but there's something here that goes beyond those things. And the readings point this out to us because they're also saying don't settle for the trivial for yourself, and for your heart and for your family, and for your future. And so let's just pause for a moment at those words from the prophet Isaiah about what happens because of the child that is given to us, the son that is born for us. And think for a moment not about what makes you happy, but about how happy you would be if you were free from those things that weigh upon your heart, that weigh upon your mind, that weight that you walk around carrying every single day of your life because we've all got something like that. And let's listen again to what the prophet says. There will be a joyfulness about the people as those who win a victory have when they feel the profit of the victory. And note the idea of something positive after a struggle. And then he says, as those who rejoice at the harvest time, when what was planted, what was cared for, what was worried about, fretted over, and worked over suddenly comes and yields an abundance beyond what we expected. And that there's a certain joyfulness about the heart, a joyfulness about the family, at the unexpected goodness that comes from that which we strove over, which we concer we're concerned about. But then he goes further. And he says, the yoke upon their shoulders will be taken off their shoulders and broken into pieces. And a yoke is a burden. A yoke is what is settled on a beast of burden or a slave 
so that he can carry a heavy weight for somebody else. And note the image here of all of those hearts that are burdened by something in this world, by someone in this world. And it's hard to stand up straight because of the weight on the shoulders. And it's there for so long, we might even forget what standing up straight really even means again. Note what is said. Because of the child. Because of the child. One doesn't have to bend under the weight of the old burden. And imagine that joy. Imagine that joy. That's not mere passing happiness. That's the joy of relief. That's the joy of salvation. That's the joy of recognizing that however imperfect my life is, I don't have to bend under its weight and fall and struggle. Wouldn't we want that joy? That's why we're here. That's why we're here. That's the joy of this night. And the prophet goes even further. The rod of your taskmaster, which is what he uses to beat you. The threat, the worry, the way we adjust how we think, behave, and act because we're worried about the club of somebody else's opinion. Because we're worried about what it might cost us to truly be ourselves. That will be taken away and burned. What a remarkable image that is. And why? A child has been born for us. A son has been given us. And in this wonderful word from the prophet, which stretches our sense of what it is to be happy, not just in the next life, but in this life too. The prophet then says something absolutely crazy. He doesn't point to a triumphant emperor. He points to a child who is born. And he says, on the child's shoulders, not the grown man's shoulders, on the child's shoulders dominion, kingship, authority, rest. And they rest easily on the shoulders of a child. What a remarkable promise to a world, to a people whose shoulders are too weak to carry the burdens of life. And the prophet says, but the child will come. And on the child's shoulders, these small shoulders, dominion over what oppresses you will rest. And in the child, and through the child, relief comes to you. This is why for 2,000 years, this child's birth has been celebrated. Because this is real. Scripture is not fantasy land. It doesn't say everything goes away. 
but it does say the oppressive power of those things is overcome in the child, by the child, through the child, with the child. And that is why on the night of his birth, it happens in this exquisitely beautiful way, where nothing happens by accident despite how chaotic it looks to earthly eyes. To earthly eyes, Mary and Joseph are desperate. She's about to give birth and no one's letting them in. To earthly eyes, they wind up someplace which isn't even a thinkably acceptable place to give birth to your child. And yet, nothing happens by accident. When Jesus Christ decided to save you, he saw that manger. And he said, I will go there for you. I will go there because the world also has no room for you. I will go there because in the eyes of this world, all too many have no value and no importance. I'll go to that. I will go to that place that the world overlooks, and I will be born there for you. I will meet you there. Not where you're successful. Not where you're powerful. Not where you've made everything work perfectly. I will meet you there where nothing makes sense. I will meet you there where everything seems not to come together well. That's where I'll be. Not where you're perfect. Not where the world is perfect. Not where anybody is ready, but me. I'll be there for you. And I will be there with you. And note how it happens. The Lord is born, wrapped in swaddling clothes, and then something unspeakably crazy again happens. You would think that the glory of the Lord would shine at the manger, wouldn't you? That's where the Lord is. But note what Scripture says. Mary wraps him in swaddling clothes, lays him in the manger, and then all of a sudden, at that moment, where the shepherds are, outside of Bethlehem, the angel appears and the glory of the Lord appears around them. How marvelously surprising that is. Not that the glory of the Lord is in the crib, in the manger, and you can come and see it. The glory of the Lord appeared around these poor shepherds out in the cold of night, watching their flocks, minding their own business, and yet the Lord breaks into that. And he doesn't simply break in with a message, he breaks in with the revelation of his glory, and it's so good, so wonderful, so overwhelmingly positive, they're scared. It's too good to be real. It's too powerful for them to bear. They're simple men. How can they receive this? 
And only then does heaven speak to them. He came for you. Don't worry about how it is that that's possible. Don't worry about how you're worthy of it. Don't worry about why it's you. No, it's you. And not just you. Everyone else. What a remarkable message that is. Heaven breaking in overwhelming the shepherds who have no right to expect anything. Society doesn't notice them. They have no status, no importance, no dignity. A message from heaven should go to a prophet. A message from heaven should go to a saint. A message from heaven should go to the king. But the angel goes to the shepherd and says, the child is born for you. The Savior is born for you. Not for somebody else's life. Not in somebody else's life, but for you and for your life. And the sign is you will find a child. You know how marvelous that is. And so go. Go and find him. Go and see him. And let your eyes that have been longing for a glimpse of real goodness see perfect goodness. Let your hearts that have been longing to know the touch of real joy even for an instant, let them draw near to perfect joy, perfect peace, and perfect fullness. Go, because he's waiting for you. And so they go. And remarkably and amazingly, they find a child. They find an infant. And this is the next great and hidden mystery about this day, about this night. He is the word made flesh, correct? But the word infant literally means one not capable of speaking. The word made flesh shows his face to the world, not first as one who will make an announcement, but in the silence of one who cannot yet form a word. Note how marvelous this is. He takes on our weakness and he listens to the full reality of who you are and who I am and who we are. And it is in that silence where he comes not first to preach but to be met that healing happens. And he who is the word who in the silence of eternity was spoken and the universe came into being, in the fullness of time, arrives silently. And in his silence, even as he looks at you and looks at me, his heart speaks to heaven on your behalf and on my behalf. 
That's the meaning of that beautiful verse in the carol, What Child Is This? Good Christians fear, for sinners hear, the silent word is pleading for you and for me. But note how wondrous this is, the humility of God, the greatness of God, the gentleness of God, the nearness of God, and because all of those things, the power of God in a manger. Born in a manger and yet a king. Because he is the king who has no need to make himself rich from the gold of the earth. He is the king who has no need to enrich himself at the expense of his people. He is the king who makes himself poor so that you and I might become rich. How absolutely wonderful this mystery and this day. And this is why we are here. And the beautiful thing about this night in this place is we don't simply have the silent face of Christ looking out at us from this manger. Oh, we have that. But in just a few minutes, we'll get to do something the shepherds couldn't. They got to go to Bethlehem. And they got to see, they were among the first on this earth to see the face of God shining out in a human way upon them. But in just a few minutes, that's going to happen here too for you. I will be lifting up the body of Christ, and what will I say? Behold, the Lamb of God. Because as real and as truly he, as he was born in Bethlehem, he will be on this altar in just a few minutes. And while the eyes of the body might not see the full beauty of his face, oh, let the eye of your heart see. And let your heart remember, this is the one, the son who has given us, the child born for us who breaks the rod of your taskmaster who takes the yoke off of your shoulder, who gives you unexpected and undeserved goodness. He is that one. And it won't be an angel calling you forward to Holy Communion. You're stuck with me. But I'm going to call you forward. And unlike the shepherds who came and who offered, who met him and who saw him, you'll get to do something more. You'll come forward, and you'll stretch out your hand, and I will place him in your hand. And that child who has been given us will quite literally be given to you this night, and you will receive him. Don't settle for second best, not from him, and not for yourself from him. Let him. Let him break the yoke that weighs on you. Let him cast aside the rod of whatever taskmaster tries to dominate you. Let him fill you with a truly victorious joy, a truly victorious peace, because he is that one whom we rightly name King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and very Prince of Peace. Amen.